Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Wednesday, November 22nd. Happy Go For A Ride Day, which I'm going to admit is just the tiniest bit troubling to me. The calendar people bill it as a day to focus on the journey and not the destination. It's a day for escape, for wandering, and for taking in the scenery. It's a day to celebrate all forms of transportation, from skateboards and bikes to cars, trains, and airplanes. It appears the date was chosen because of its significance to the transportation industry. The variable speed, or Interpol motor, was patented on this date in 1904 by Matthias Pfefetitscher, or something. And the snowmobile, which are actually called snow machines by anybody who uses them, was patented today in 1927 by Carl J.E. Eliasson, who has too many initials. Also, the Concorde supersonic passenger plane began regular commercial flights on this date in 1977, then lost money for 27 years before it was retired in 2003. This over-engineered miracle of science could ferry a hundred or so passengers at speeds of about 1,300-ish miles per hour, roughly twice as fast as a regular airliner, give or take, used eight times the fuel, and cost about 30 times as much per ticket. So in the 80s, you could fly New York to London in about eight hours for about 250 bucks, or you could fly it in four hours for 7,500 bucks. So you see why nobody wanted to ride in the thing. But none of that's what's important. The issue I have with calling this go for a ride day is that this is also the anniversary of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, who was shot while waving at Texans from the back of a customized convertible 61 Lincoln Continental, which is a sweet ride, but still, dude got killed. So maybe, calendar people, this might not be the best day to talk about focusing on the journey and not the destination. It's off-putting. Our reading for today is Ezekiel 44.1 through 45.12, 1 Peter 1.1 through 12, Psalm 119.17 through 32, and Proverbs 28.8 through 10. So if y'all are ready, honestly, forget I said all that, load the dog up in the truck, and take him for a ride. It's hard to be unhappy with a dog in the front seat. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on November 21st in the Old Testament, we read Ezekiel 42.1 through 43.27. And God's still showing him the new temple, the third end times temple that hadn't been built yet, but that the Israelis are working on right now and have been for decades. So what's stopping them? Well, there's a ginormous mosque sitting there right now, and I can only imagine how the Muslims are going to come unglued if they try to move it or tear it down. Chuck Missler and some others have said that maybe they don't have to, though. Ezekiel never mentions a southern outer court in his temple blueprint that we've been reading, so maybe they build it next door to the north and just do without the court of the Gentiles. That's kind of what a mosque represents anyway. Or maybe they don't build it at all, and instead they set up a tabernacle like in Moses' day, a big old tent they can set up and take down whenever they need to. Also, maybe God's not ready for it all to go down yet, there has to be a temple in place for the Antichrist to stand in, but the fullness of the Gentiles has to come first. And part of the meaning of that is all the Gentiles that will be saved get saved, at least during the church age. And that makes me think that if we're going to reach a time when nobody else gets saved, then the Bible is either going to get discredited, outlawed, or there's no church here to preach it. Like, maybe the timeline is something like, Christians get more and more oppressed, churches keep getting closed, holidays keep getting canceled, 
and we get pushed more and more out of society and pop culture until there's so much ridicule that non-believers don't take us seriously and no more people can get saved. At some point during this process, the Antichrist takes over and helps broker a peace with Israel that allows them to build whatever temple without fear of reprisal. Then we get pulled out, the Antichrist does his abomination of desolation thing, the Jews freak out and ask Jesus to help them, which is exactly what he's been waiting on for 2,000 years. So he shows up in the east, and everybody sees it. So if you want Jesus to come back, start evangelizing. Get everybody saved that's going to be, and start this ball rolling. Anyway, in chapter 43, remember a second ago when I said Jesus shows up in the east and everybody sees it? Well, verse 2 says, And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like a noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision, like the vision I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell upon my face. Yeah, I'll bet you did. And people wonder how everybody on earth will see it. Some folks think it'll be carried live on CNN, and that's how. I wonder if Jesus and all his glory will just appear in the heavens for one full revolution of the earth so that everybody who looks to the eastward sky sees him. He'd rise and set like the sun for a day. Or maybe he just miracles it. I don't know. But he comes down to the temple and fills it with his glory. And in verse 7, he tells Zeke, basically, I'm back and some things got to change around here. First of all, stop your whoredoms. Your idol worship, in other words. Up to and including the worship of movie stars and politicians and yourself. He's putting a stop to that. Then Jesus spells out some temple-specific laws and the dedication of the altar and the sacrifices on it. And this confuses me, because why would Jesus want those animal sacrifices to start back up? I mean, he wouldn't, so this must be something else. Like the Benson commentary says, it's some kind of church symbolism. But I don't get that from the text. So either he's talking about the temple that gets rebuilt after the 70 years, or we're still talking about the third temple, but during the tribulation before Jesus returns. I don't know, and if I miss something, feel free to email me with the right answer. According to Haley's Bible Handbook, those that think this is a literal temple consider that these animal sacrifices are to be offered by the Jewish nation while it is still unconverted, or that the sacrifices are commemorative of the death of Christ. And I kind of don't think the sacrifices would be commemorative of the death of Christ. We have the Last Supper specifically to that end. I lean toward the unconverted Jewish nation to return to animal sacrifices in preparation of the Antichrist, desecrating the altar, building the altar that will serve as a pivotal point to bring in Jesus back. Not that they want the Antichrist to desecrate the altar, but it has to be there for it to happen. And for it to be there, that must mean that they're setting up the animal sacrifices again, which would be why Jesus wants them to do it in the first place. You said that well, yes. And then in the New Testament, we read James 5, 1-20. And it's the last chapter. And he's dog-cussing the rich men. Specifically, he's talking to the unbelieving Jews, who were covetous and oppressive to the poor. So he basically says, all your worldly gain is trash, and you deserve what the Romans are about to unleash on you. Then he tells the brethren to be patient and wait for the Lord. Don't sin. Be like the prophets who were long-suffering. And there's no need to swear oaths if you just let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. If you're afflicted, pray. If you're merry, sing psalms. And merry in the King James English usually means drunk. And joining it with the word afflicted does kind of give it a negative connotation. So I wonder if his point is, just because you're not perfect or where you need to be spiritually, don't mean you shouldn't worship. I wonder if he's saying, better to get drunk and sing to the Lord than to get drunk and not sing to the Lord. 
And in the next breath, he says, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. So continuing in the same vein, he says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, further implying righteousness is not of us, but of God. Then he says, Elias, meaning Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are, but God could still use him. And then James just kind of stops talking and it's over. He is to the point. Love it. Uh, Verse four. Notice that the laborers and the withheld pay cry out against the rich to God. Withheld pay has a voice like innocent blood. Dishonest money testifies against us. Does everything stolen have a voice to testify against the perpetrator? Or is it just life and money? Then James goes on to say, Be patient about all this and strengthen your hearts, for the Lord's coming is at hand. Don't complain against each other. The judge is at the door. There's no for that. Let your yes be yes and your no be no without the drama. If you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing praises. If you're sick, call for the elders to anoint you with oil and pray over you. The Lord will heal and forgive. Confession and prayer with others seems to bring healing. The confession humbles us and makes our prayer effective. And so then the prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And Elijah is used as our example here. And the two prayers he uttered are not recorded in the Bible. The first prayer stops the rain for three and a half years, gets the king's attention. Then Elijah gets a showdown with the prophets of Baal. Elijah wipes out all the prophets of Baal in attendance. And then the second prayer for rain and the rain comes. That's pretty effective. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 119, 1 through 16. And this is that section of the Psalms where every eight verses start with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The first is Aleph. And the theme is blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. And then he says he wishes he had done that more. The next letter is Beth. And the theme is how do you get back on track if you stumble? Well, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. That's how you do that. Amen. Find delight in the word of God and meditate on his precepts and regard his ways. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 28, 6 and 7. And verse 6 says, Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. And picture, well, anybody in Congress. Any of those skeeves we've been re-electing for the past 50 years who spend all their time on Epstein Island and have an official taxpayer-funded pot of money for paying off rape claims. They're all wealthy, but do you really want to be like them? And remember, we read in James chapter 3, 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. And that goes for Congress, journalists, actors. They get disorder and every evil thing. And so does the people that worship them. And then verse 7 says, Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. And I wonder how many of them in Congress, their fathers are ashamed of them, male or female. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for November 22nd is Ezekiel 44.1 through 45.12. Then he brought me back the way of the gate of the outward sanctuary, which looketh toward the east, and it was shut. Then said the Lord unto me, This gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter in by it because the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it. Therefore it shall be shut. It is for the prince. The prince, he shall sit in it to eat bread before the Lord. 
He shall enter by the way of the porch of that gate, and shall go out by the way of the same. Then brought he me the way of the north gate before the house. And I looked, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. And I fell upon my face. And the Lord said unto me, Son of man, mark well, and behold with thine eyes, and hear with thine ears all that I say unto thee concerning all the ordinances of the house of the Lord, and all the laws thereof. And mark well the entering in of the house, with every going forth of the sanctuary. And thou shalt say to the rebellious, even to the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, O ye house of Israel, let it suffice you of all your abominations, in that ye have brought into my sanctuary strangers, uncircumcised in heart, and uncircumcised in flesh, to be in my sanctuary, to pollute it, even my house, when ye offer my bread, the fat, and the blood, and they have broken my covenant because of all your abominations. And ye have not kept the charge of mine holy things, but ye have set keepers of my charge in my sanctuary for yourselves. Thus saith the Lord God, No stranger, uncircumcised in heart, nor uncircumcised in flesh, shall enter into my sanctuary, of any stranger that is among the children of Israel, and the Levites that are gone away far from me, when Israel went astray, which went astray away from me after their idols, they shall even bear their iniquity. Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having charge at the gates of the house, and ministering to the house. They shall slay the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them to minister unto them, because they ministered unto them before their idols, and caused the house of Israel to fall into iniquity. Therefore have I lifted up mine hand against them, saith the Lord God, and they shall bear their iniquity. And they shall not come near unto me to do the office of a priest unto me, nor to come near to any of my holy things in the most holy place. But they shall bear their shame and their abominations which they have committed. But I will make them keepers of the charge of the house, for all the service thereof, and for all that shall be done therein. But the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, that kept the charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near to me to minister unto me. And they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood, saith the Lord God. They shall enter into my sanctuary, and they shall come near to my table to minister unto me, and they shall keep my charge. And it shall come to pass that when they enter in at the gates of the inner court, they shall be clothed with linen garments, and no wool shall come upon them, whilst they minister in the gates of the inner court and within. They shall have linen bonnets upon their heads, and shall have linen breeches upon their loins. They shall not gird themselves with anything that causeth sweat. And when they go forth into the utter court, even into the utter court to the people, they shall put off their garments wherein they ministered, and lay them in the holy chambers, and they shall put on other garments, and they shall not sanctify the people with their garments. Neither shall they shave their heads, nor suffer their locks to grow long. They shall only pole their heads. Neither shall any priest drink wine when they enter into the inner court. Neither shall they take for their wives a widow, nor her that is put away. But they shall take maidens of the seed of the house of Israel, or a widow that had a priest before. And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane, and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. And in controversy they shall stand in judgment, and they shall judge it according to my judgments. And they shall keep my laws and my statutes in all mine assemblies. And they shall hallow my Sabbaths. And they shall come at no dead person to defile themselves, but for father or for mother or for son or for daughter, for brother or for sister that hath no husband, they may defile themselves. And after he is cleansed, they shall reckon unto him seven days. And in the day that he goeth into the sanctuary unto the inner court to minister in the sanctuary, he shall offer his sin offering, saith the Lord God, and it shall be unto them for an inheritance. I am their inheritance, and ye shall give them no possession in Israel. I am their possession." 
They shall eat the meat offering, and the sin offering, and the trespass offering, and every dedicated thing in Israel shall be theirs. And the first of all the firstfruits of all things, and every oblation of all, of every sort of your oblations, shall be the priests. Ye shall also give unto the priest the first of your dough, that he may cause the blessing to rest in thine house. The priest shall not eat of anything that is dead of itself, or torn, whether it be fowl or beast. Chapter 45 Moreover, when ye shall divide by lot the land for inheritance, ye shall offer an oblation unto the Lord, and holy portion of the land. The length shall be the length of five and twenty thousand reeds, and the breadth shall be ten thousand. This shall be holy in all the borders thereof round about. Of this there shall be for the sanctuary five hundred in length, with five hundred in breadth, square round about, and fifty cubits round about for the suburbs thereof. And of this measure shalt thou measure the length of five and twenty thousand, and the breadth of ten thousand, and it shall be the sanctuary and the most holy place. The holy portion of the land shall be for the priests the ministers of the sanctuary, which shall come near to minister unto the Lord. And it shall be a place for their houses, and an holy place for the sanctuary. And the five and twenty thousand of length, and the ten thousand of breadth, shall also the Levites, the ministers of the house, have for themselves for a possession for twenty chambers. And ye shall appoint the possession of the city five thousand broad, and five and twenty thousand long, over against the oblation of the holy portion. It shall be for the whole house of Israel. And a portion shall be for the prince on the one side, and on the other side of the oblation of the holy portion, and of the possession of the city, before the oblation of the holy portion, and before the possession of the city, from the west side westward, and from the east side eastward. And the length shall be over against one of the portions, from the west border unto the east border. In the land shall be his possession in Israel. And my princes shall no more oppress my people. And the rest of the land shall they give to the house of Israel according to their tribes. Thus saith the Lord God, Let it suffice you, O princes of Israel. Remove violence and spoil, and execute judgment and justice. Take away your exactions from my people, saith the Lord God. Ye shall have just balances and a just ephah, and a just bath. The ephah and the bath shall be of one measure, that the bath may contain the tenth part of an homer, and the ephah the tenth part of an omer. The measure thereof shall be after the homer, and the shekel shall be twenty geras. Twenty shekels, five and twenty shekels, fifteen shekels shall be your manna. Our reading in the New Testament for November 22nd is 1 Peter 1, 1-12. The First Epistle of Peter Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, 
when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. And our reading in Psalms for November 22nd is Psalm 119, 17-32. Gimel. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did mediate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Daleth. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments, when thou shalt enlarge my heart. And our reading in Proverbs for November 22nd is Proverbs 28, 8-10. He that by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. Whoso causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit but the upright shall have good things in possession. That is it for the 22nd. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on Luke 20, 25, which says, And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on gratitude for the rule of law because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, after the flood, you ordained human government, and your word has instructed us to comply with it ever since. But we are a fallen people in a fallen world, and the fallen governments we create forever stumble toward tyranny. But when the founders covenanted with you, they declared the highest principle to be equality under rule of law, not rule by men. We thank you, Lord, for that inspiration and the freedom we enjoy under it. We are sorry to have strayed so far from it and humbly ask you to heal our land. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawning I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google, CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all.
or we're still, or we're still talking about the third temple. We're still, 